Good morning, everyone. This is a good-looking crowd out there. It's so great to have y'all at New Hope. We hope that you've had a wonderful weekend, and if you're with us online, welcome to New Hope this morning. It is going to be a great service. We have a really good-looking bunch of young people down here that are about to perform for us in just a couple minutes, and um, so many exciting things coming up. And I have a few announcements before we get started on this wonderful Sunday morning. The Angel Tree Party is this Saturday, so adults, um, 18 and over, if you could please come and help with that. There are a lot of different avenues for you to help during that, crafts or kids, lunch, different activities. Um, so that's this Saturday at 9.30. The weather has caused us to change our calendar a few different times, so I'm going to make this announcement for all to hear. The kids' Christmas program is now going to be on Christmas Eve, the 24th, that Sunday morning. So whatever you have heard, that is all changed now, and it is on Christmas Eve, the 24th, that morning in our service will be the kids' program. So we cannot wait to see everyone, and I'm excited, so we all get to see them together in a large group to support them. Um, and so with that being said, tonight, children, if you come on Wednesday and you're in the choir, you have practice tonight at 6 and on Wednesday at 6. And um, to remind you, we do have normal um, time with Pastor Russ tonight in this Hope Center. So that's normal for adults, but kids have practice tonight. Okay. Well, today is the second week of Advent, and um, this week we are going to be talking about peace, and this week we will be hopefully praying over this and seeing where God brings us to that. Um, so I just have a few words to say on the matter this week, and, it, and it's interesting. So I've been here for a couple years. Actually, this is my third Christmas so, you know, I'm, a, I'm an old-timer now. And, you know, it's really unique when I think about Advent each year. I see it in such a different way. When I, before I came to New Hope and I was just a member of a church, um, I loved hearing people speak about Advent, and I loved hearing the pastors preach, and, you know, sometimes doing the devotions that go along with Advent. But really, where I'm at and studying it more and seeking out what God wants for this and what his purpose is for Advent has really changed me in a lot of ways over Christmas. Um, and I'll say in a very good way, but in a lot of ways. And when I think about peace, that can go so many ways, right? I probably say that every week. It can go so many different ways. There's three ways that instantly popped into my head this week. Um, peace, the definition of peace in the dictionary is freedom from disturbance, tranquility. So that's your world, right? That's your world definition of peace. Um, the guys split off from the girls for our fall retreat this year, and they went to Look Up Lodge. The, I mean, they went to Awanitas Valley, and they talked about being peacemakers. They read in Matthew 5, 9, and they discussed what a peacemaker is and what's the difference in a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. And a peacemaker is not someone that sits aside and timidly waits or um, nervously waits or tries to be a pacifist in the situation, but a peacemaker goes into the situation and makes peace, right? And this is what they spoke about to godly men, about how men of God, followers of Christ, are to be the peacemakers in the world. So that's an active thing, not a, not, um, a passive thing. And I thought that was really interesting hearing the guys and my husband discuss what that meant. Um, and then another thing in Scripture that I thought about was when Jesus was talking to Peter. Um, and he said, all right, the, no, I'm sorry, that's for love next week. I got off track. But in 1 Peter, 
In 1 Peter chapter 3, it talks about how to seek peace and what that looks like for an obedient follower. Okay, so I'm going to read 8 through 12 in 1 Peter 3. It says, Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. These are some really big words that carry a lot of weight. So I don't want to read this quickly and not understand the magnitude of this. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil, not try to, I have to remind myself, must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. All of these are active, right? They're not passive words where we sit and hope for this or try or think these thoughts, but they are required. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Not those, the face of the Lord is not against those who do evil in murdering or in huge things. It is in all those things. And to have peace, I constantly think about that scripture and what that means and the magnitude of that and not to go lightly into peace and have this wonderful feeling because, you know, Christmas makes you want to have that like wonderful feeling where we sit and we look at the beautiful lights. I love doing that at my house and our fireplace and but, but it, it's so much bigger than that. There's a pastor that I read, that's Pastor Jeffrey Johnson. He wrote this years ago, and I'm going to end with this. Our emotions or experiences are not what save us, but it is impossible to be saved without a measure of guilt and then a measure of peace to follow. Experiencing the feeling of guilt is vital because there's no salvation without repentance of sins. And is there such a thing as repentance without feeling guilty? Sorry and remorseful for our sins. How can sinners desire salvation from sin if they do not inwardly feel guilty and sorry for their transgressions against God? They can't. Conviction and guilt is a part of the conversion experience. Not only guilt, but also assurance is important in our conversion experience. So as we noted above, faith in God's promise, at least in part, brings some measure of assurance and peace within the heart. So I just leave that with you for you to pray over what God has for you in that and, and I as well and what he desires for me to glean from that. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and then our wonderful bells choir with Miss Jackie is going to um, worship with us this morning. Father in heaven, how great is your name and how worthy you are to be praised and none other and nothing other than you, God. I pray this, Lord, for conviction on our hearts for us to realize the magnitude of your word, that it is to be life-changing for it to be you. That we cannot have the Holy Spirit and have the peace and assurance if we are living a normal life as we were before. Convict us, humble us, and bring us to our knees to seek the truth for our life. Because you are the truth, you are the way. And let us see that clearly, Lord, whatever it takes, God.
whatever it takes to bring us and humble us and soften us to be open to your power and your truth. Let it be. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.
As already been said, our Christmas in Earl has been postponed for a few days till next Sunday, and we be in prayer now that uh, the rain continues to hold off for next Sunday, and uh, we'll be able just to, to share the love of God with the people around us. Um, we've tried to make different accommodations for that, and uh, uh, speaking of stress and anxiety, there's been some of that this week, but I've had peace, amen, knowing that that God's Word is going to be proclaimed and who God wants here to proclaim it and to hear it will be here. And we're just praying for an outpouring of the gospel message to take place next week. And as I mentioned, peace, that is our word for this week. We'll be celebrating peace through Advent. But when I say the word peace, what really comes to mind in your mind? What do you think of when, when I say peace? You know, for some, it's just, you've heard the term peace and quiet. <laughs> you know, just that quietness is peace. Sometimes for others, maybe it's the uh, sitting beside a calm lake and, you know, with, with no ripples, no, no wake, just the, the solitude of the, 
the quiet, peaceful lake, or, or maybe it's the image of a beautiful rolling mountain range. Or as Mo mentioned earlier, the grandkids, maybe it's the, just a look into the face of a, sleep, a sleeping baby. <laughs> the key word there, sleeping baby. Or maybe we were going down the road Saturday night and, and just a beautiful sunset. Maybe to, just to gaze upon that or a beautiful sunrise. Maybe for you that is peace. Maybe it's looking across a, a beautiful meadow or a field of flowers. Or maybe it's sitting beside a, a flowing stream and just hearing the ripples of the water. You see, we all have something different in mind when we mention the word peace, don't we? Uh, it becomes all things to all people. It can mean different things to, to different people. And so when I say the word peace, we all might be thinking of something different. We all have that different thought in our mind. But for the ancient Jew, <clears throat> the word for peace was shalom. Shalom. And shalom is more, it meant more than just the absence of conflict or disturbance. Shalom translated means security or safety, maybe prosperity or happiness, a wholeness or, or a wellness. The word shalom is, is referenced over 230 times in Scripture, over 30 times or, or nearly 24, 25 times in Isaiah alone. And that's where we're going to be this morning in Isaiah chapter 9. If you will, turn in your Bibles there. The prophet Isaiah in uh, Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 and 7 calls Jesus Sar Shalom. Sar Shalom or the Prince of Peace. You see, Sar literally means the, the, the head person or the captain or the governor or the prince. And so Jesus is the governor of well-being, the captain of, of happiness, the, the ruler of rest, the chief of contentment. He is the Prince of Peace. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, Isaiah writes about this. <clears throat> and he says, for, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And so what does it mean? that Jesus was given the name Prince of Peace. We looked last week at, at Jesus being called the Promised One. This week He's called the Prince of Peace. A prince is somebody that, that's highly revered, highly respected, uh, held in, in high esteem, and is con usually considered royalty. In today's world, we think about uh, the, the British country and and. Uh, how the British citizens, when they come in contact with a, a royal family or a prince or a princess, they bow before the royal family, before the royalty 
uh, again, to acknowledge that they are submitting themselves to their lordship, their rulership. The same was true in biblical days. In Genesis chapter 42, verse 6, we see another example or example. It says, Now Joseph was the governor of the land, and the people who sold him grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brother arrived, what does it say? They bowed down to him. Joseph was the governor. He was the leader. He was the, 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 the one in charge. And it says they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground, acknowledging submission to him as the governor, as the ruler. In 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse 23, we find another example where Abigail saw David. It says, and she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. You see, when, when you're bowed down and your face is to the ground, you're completely defenseless, aren't you? And you're totally in surrender to whoever it is you're bowing to. And that's the concept, that's the idea of Jesus being the Prince of, of Peace. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, it's talk, referring to the Magi, and it says, On coming to the house, the Magi saw the child was with, mother, was with his mother Mary, and they bowed down. They bowed down and worshipped him because he was the Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace because he is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 10 through 11, it says, And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledges that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every person will kneel. Every person will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. They will acknowledge Him as the Prince of Peace, as the Lord of Lords, as the King of Kings. You see, Jesus is our Prince and, and He demands our reverence and He demands our, our respect. And so we're to honor Him and, and praise Him above everything and everybody else. He is our number one. We bow down to nothing else, to no other idols or to no other people, but to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what about His character? Well, Jesus was a man of peace. Jesus is a man of peace. And think about His stories and think about uh, Scripture and, and the testimonies about <clears throat> the type of person that He was and the ministry that He had. He slept soundly on a boat in the midst of a violent storm. He wasn't worried. There was no stress. There was no anxiety. There was no fear. He was the calm one who fed the 5,000 people on the, on the hillside. He was the unmoved one at the death of his friend Lazarus and at the death of Jairus' daughter. He wasn't bothered when the wedding party ran out of wine. He was the unrattled one who cast out the demons. 
And to comfort His disciples, He reminded them that His peace is not of this world, that He gives a peace great de- uh, of, of great, greater depth than anything in this world can give. He was the one. He was the one in control during His arrest, during His trial, during His crucifixion. He is the one that was in control. You know, people tried to make it look like the authorities were in control, but it was Jesus who was in control. He didn't fight back. He didn't try to get away. And it says that He ultimately gave up His Spirit. He gave it up. They didn't take it from Him. And He was at peace through every step of the way because He knew He was in His Father's will. The Prince of Peace also brings everlasting peace. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, it says, Of the greatness of His government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over His kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Forever. He brings perfect peace. In Isaiah 26, verse 3, He says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in You. You see, the only way we can have that that everlasting peace in our hearts is when we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we, we, we can't comprehend perfect peace. We've never seen it. We've never experienced it. Nobody on this earth ever has. The peace where there is no anxiety, where there is no fear, no doubt, no stress. The peace where there is no conflict or war or fussing or lying or stealing or fighting. And Jesus brings a perfect peace, a a kind of peace that, that we can't understand, a kind of peace that we can't fathom. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, it says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds. You think about it, true peace has nothing to do with the circumstances around us. It has nothing to do with the circumstances in our life or the situations going on in our life because a a person can be at at peace even though their world may look like it's in complete chaos. But in their heart, they can be at peace. And that is only possible when we're abiding with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's only possible when we're abiding with the Prince of Peace. For, For God tells us that there is no peace for the wicked. There's no peace for those, there's no peace for those who reject Jesus Christ. In Isaiah chapter 57, verse 21, it says, But the wicked are like the tossing sea, which cannot rest, whose waves cast up mire and mud. They have no peace, says my God. There is no peace. There is no peace for the wicked. See, Jesus Christ alone brings peace because He 
is peace. He is the, the, effort, the, the essence of peace. And, and we often want to uh, try to bring peace in our life by changing our circumstances, by, by moving our circumstances around or changing our situations. And, but God wants to change our heart. And it's not our circumstances that brings peace. It's the Lord Jesus And God wants to change our hearts and wants to change our character to where we're more like Christ. You see, we think, we oftentimes think that peace comes from the outside, but God says peace comes from the inside. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, For He Himself is our peace. For He Himself is our peace. And the more we become like Him, the more peace we can experience in our life. But the only way we can have true peace in our life is if we reconcile ourselves with God. And because of the cross, we're able to be reconciled with God. But in order to have peace with God, we must deal with that which, which keeps us from a right relationship with God, and that's the sin in our life. You might say, well, well, I've given my life to Christ, but is there sin in your life that's still holding you back in your relationship with Christ? You see, that has to be dealt with. That has to be focused on. And, and you know, we, we, we oftentimes want to cover up our sin or ignore it or make excuses for it, but we've got to deal with it. And the only way to deal with it is to repent of that sin and to surrender to the complete lordship of the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, it's through Jesus' birth and death and resurrection that we can become reconciled with God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 to 14 again. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The only way we can get near to God is through the blood of Jesus. For the blood of forgiveness. And accepting that forgiveness for for the sin in our life and changing our life and redirecting our life away from that sin and, and more towards God's desire for our hearts and for our lives. I want you to think about this. Jesus left heaven to die on this earth so that we can die on this earth and live in heaven. Jesus left heaven to die on this earth so we could die on this earth and live in heaven. You see, at Bethlehem, Jesus became humanity. And at Calvary, He became our sin. And at the empty tomb, He became our eternal hope of forgiveness and life. Amen? Praise God for that. And one day Jesus will ultimately bring everlasting peace. Again, look at at Isaiah chapter 9 verse 7. This is clear reference to uh, Jesus' second coming. And it says, Of the greatness of His government and peace there will be no end. That's everlasting. That peace is never going to end when He comes back. When He sets up His kingdom on earth. Says he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and when? Forever. Amen? Forever means forever. Forever, right? 
when He returns, He's going to bring, he's going to bring judgment on the wicked and peace to the righteous. Amen. Only when He does that, only when He comes, only when He establishes that peace will the earth experience true peace. And so instead of trying to bring temporary peace that doesn't last, let's be about bringing true peace by sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus. Because that is only where peace is found. And our world is starving for peace. Peace among nations, peace among countries and, 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 and people. Peace among neighbors. Peace in the families. Our world is starving for peace. Isaiah describes what that true eternal peace will look like one day. In Isaiah chapter 11, verses 6 through 9. Just imagine this, okay? The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and their yearlings together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near a cobra's den and the young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. Wow. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That, my friend, is shalom. That is Everlasting, unimaginable world peace. Peace that comes through Sar Shalom. Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Let me encourage you to lean on Him, to allow Him to transform your heart. Let Him fill your heart with peace and live in peace regardless of what's going on in your world around you. Regardless of what you're facing this week, what you're facing this year. Whatever troubles may be coming your way, let Him fill your heart with peace so that you can face the days ahead. For He is peace. He is the giver of peace. And He is our peace. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is among other names called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. He is the Promised One. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. This morning, whatever you're dealing with in your life, whatever you need that, that, that extra dose of peace in, uh, in your life, will you come to the altar and just, just come as you are and, and surrender to Him and say, Lord, I just need you right now. I just need you for what I'm experiencing. I just need you for what is happening in my, in my life. And receive the Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, and allow God to walk with you through this life and into eternity, dealing with the things of life that only He can help you with. That only He can give you the peace.
He is the giver of peace. He is the Prince of Peace. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we thank you for this time of year that we've set aside to celebrate your coming. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Indeed, you, you left heaven and came to this earth to die so that we could die in you and live in heaven. Father, thank you for the peace that you give us. And God, we thank you in advance for eternal peace that's coming. And Father, whatever we're walking through in our life today, whatever storm we're heading into or in the middle of, Lord, you slept in the midst of the storm because you are peace. Lord, may we experience your peace. Hear our hearts and hear our prayers, Lord. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Just as
Just 